Mándanos al Tumba Yeba O salimos y que ya fiesta en otros alas Tumba mamá this is episode two of What If We Get It Right, in which we are exploring how for-profit and socially aware businesses in the eastern Congo are strengthening their local economy. We'll hear again from Patrick Biamungu and Mike Beeston from the Bukavu-based accelerator La Différence, and from local entrepreneurs from Goma, Ijwi Island and Bukavu, who work in areas as diverse as coffee farming, clean energy and women empowerment. But first, for those of you who are entrepreneurs, you might know what it takes to begin a business. But for those of you who aren't, it is both daunting and simple. It is about taking that first step. But where do you start? Mike, who has a history of entrepreneurship, talks to me about how he sees it and whether there are any additional challenges for entrepreneurs in the Congo. Every entrepreneur knows that edgy feeling and has, a, in a way, an attraction to it. And to step into risk, I mean, you don't just do it blindly, yeah. you know, without thinking about it, you plan and manage it, but nevertheless, you step, you, you go forward, right? Yeah. That's what an entrepreneur does. They, they see a, a, a gap, they've kind of got an idea of what's on the other side of the gap, and they take that step. You're definitely carrying something <laughs> as an entrepreneur, you're definitely carrying um, family, community weight. But your, your drive is very conscious of that, but of course it has to be focused on what you're doing, why you were doing it, and how to make that grow and make it sustainable. Of course, you have to put your, your heart and soul into that, but you are conscious of this, this community context, more so than we are here, you're conscious of that. But you can't get kind of dragged down too much, because it can drag you down, it can stop you, so you must, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you must really drive beyond it in, to a certain extent. Many people are already aware, that, you know, the catalyst is already in them. And I think that the in a way, the trigger to be able to do something about it is, you know, maybe a particular person that they've met or uh, an experience that they've had, like with Boshi Colour. In, in a way, they've, they've, it's been an aggregation of things which has happened and allowed them, in a way, to step out of, their, uh, out of the general problem of Congo, which is suppression. Circumstances suppress people. But this mm. kind of um, aggregation of their internal drive, meeting or having a connection with something, an education, an opportunity, they all collide together and they step into it. They, 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 they intuitively say, I've got an opportunity now and I'll step forward uh, and do something about it. But all of them will have mm. had that experience. But internally, it was already there, just as it is in many, many, many people. But in Congo, the opportunity is rarely there and that's probably the catalyst. Armand Chaco, who is a journalist as well as a project director for La Différence, set out to interview some of the entrepreneurs they support. Under her arm, a list of questions that we'd discussed. Her first stop was Deuce Numwezi. Is it true for Deuce that she just stepped into risk? What motivated her to get into business? For almost 10 years, uh, more than 10 years, I've been a journalist, actively going to the, the fields, meeting women, uh, talking with girls, and there were this question that, uh, around sexual and reproductive health that was not uh, really um, talked uh, loudly, if I can say this. And uh, I was listening to women who, who, 
got pregnant without knowing to girls who came went back to home only because she got she she had her period and i was asked asking myself what can we do to 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 resolve this this kind of situation as a journalist i could only give my microphone i could only give voice to the the, the problem but i couldn't act um in any other other way so with uh, other friends we reflected on how setting up a, an organization that could bring another solution Tus is a female entrepreneur who has set up a business called Uezo Africa in their factory they make feminine hygiene pads and when they are not making them her team is raising awareness about menstruation and feminine hygiene they work online and in the community showing how to support girls and women by on the one hand breaking through the taboo and on the other literally making pads available as women uh, there is this natural event called menstruation that needs a good uh, a good way of of being uh, lived with if i can say this because during months years and years women and girls are not aware of how they can uh, live uh, freely they can go to school they can go to work even if, when they are in their menstruation and there is this taboo around menstruation that um, makes a lot of girls lose school uh, first of all and when they lose school there is no teacher who can come back and say i can do an exam or i can give you a test again and when she lose uh, schools uh, just because she's uh, in her menstruation this is not normal because afterward other other pupils they will continue studying and she will not also there are a lot of consequences of not having a good um uh menstruation education uh, there are a lot of girls who got who get pregnant only because they were not aware that they can now get uh, become pregnant and also there is no education er, um, among boys and men around menstruation and most of them they think that this is uh, dirty or women when a woman she's in her menstruation she can't cook she can't um be uh, in front of you or she can't be near you and um when it come to participate free, uh, freely in decision making position for example in politics and others if you are a woman who became pregnant for example and you are called uh here a uh, mother girl it's not easy for you because a lot of people will point to you and will say uh, she's not uh, a good wife she's not a good woman only because she got pregnant and when you reflect on why she got pregnant it's just because she didn't receive education around menstruation so these um these kind of needs they are really important to be taken to consideration because they influence the way women will be living in coming uh, years in coming uh, days there are this kind of problem this kind of needs that are really important to 
to be reflected on so they can influence the future of these women, they can influence the position of these women in the future in the community. Deuce is working in a civil society organization. Her um, business is not quite so commercial. It has got definite commercial aspects to it. So, for example, she has been um, manufacturing sanitary pads because, of course, their sanitation and these kind of issues for the girls in Congo is a big issue. And, and she's been trying to find answers to that. And those answers have to be commercial and sustainable in the long run. But she has a wider spectrum of interest because she's been involved in journalism and, and women's issues for many, many years. OK, a pop fact. The World Bank issues an ease of doing business report each year in which they rank countries according to their own metrics of what creates a nurturing business environment. The DRC ranks number 183 out of a total of 190 countries. Things like dealing with construction permits, getting electricity, registering property, getting credit, paying taxes, trading across borders are all measured. And for each of these, the DRC ranks very low somewhere between 144 and 187. There was one such metric in which it ranked pretty high, which was the ease of starting a business, coming in at number 54. Reasons why this is easy or has become easier is that the government has started simplifying procedures, creating a one-stop shop, reducing capital requirement, and from 2019 onward, the DRC no longer makes it mandatory for female entrepreneurs to get their husband's approval to set up a business. So what is the current position of women in the Congo? More and more women are being considered in the whole of the society. Because actually, we can see them everywhere in political aspects, some of women now can be member of parliament, some of them, they are ministry, they are accessing on the ministry, and also be part of different uh, political uh, platform. In, in our case, in the entrepreneur sector, we work with a woman who decide to start a hydro, micro hydro project. For us, it was it's a, a surprise to see a woman who are really determined and who wants to do a hydro project. So we, we, we support her and she succeeds. When I asked Patrick what it's like at home, whether men help in the household, this was his honest answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, be, to be honest, the society himself, they are not on, on this step right now, but it is something which are going to cancel. So Deuce, as a female entrepreneur, is breaking through some glass ceilings. A lot of her challenges are institutional and not dissimilar to many places in the world. Deuce has some good examples on how to overcome cultural and social barriers. But first, we're going to hear from Washikala Malongo, a social entrepreneur in Goma. As the co-founder of the solar tech business Altec, Washikala has managed to establish a social enterprise that has 60 outlets, an access network of 1,000 sales agents, and 200 full-time equivalent employees. It distributes a range of solar-powered household products. Altec Company Headquarters is based in Goma, where Armand went to visit, taking a six-hour boat from Bukavu. 
Uh, as you know, I was born in Eastern Congo. And in the 1990s, I had to flee to Tanzania for safety because of the civil wars that were, go were going on in, in the country. And uh, so I lived in, the, in a camp in Western Tanzania for about a decade. And during my stay in that camp, which is, was called Lugufu Refugee Camp, I got a scholarship that took me to the University of Dar es Salaam. And uh, after that, after my studies at the University of Dar es Salaam, I decided uh, with Yongwa to come back to the DRC. And uh, when we, when I arrived here, I, I worked a little bit with the UNCR on some reintegration projects. And uh, after that, I, I decided to fund Altec Group with Yongwa. Ongo and I were all born uh, in, in Eastern Congo, and uh, we also fled to Tanzania uh, at the same time uh, for safety during the civil, civil wars in the 1990s. And uh, we, we went to the same uh, refugee camp. And uh, we, we even also got uh, the scholarship I talked about. So during our, our studies at the University of Dar es Salaam, we started discussing about uh, energy poverty in the DRC uh, because we, we, we took a course on energy and environment. And uh, so we, decide, we decided that we'll go back to the DRC and start a company on, in, in this field. We decided to just return to Eastern Congo and, uh, and we started the uh, Altec Group and uh, you know, piloting the distribution of a few thousand solar lamps. Energy poverty means a lack of access to energy or as lacking access to an affordable, sustainable energy service. So what's the situation in the DRC? Over a decade ago, in 2009, only 11% of the DRC's total population had access to electricity. Ten years later, in 2019, it was 19%. So though the access rates are improving overall, they are still very low especially in rural areas, where about only 4% have access to electricity. The DRC's potential to generate energy is high, having a wide range of both renewable and non-renewable sources, from hydropower, biomass, solar, wind and geothermal, as well as fossil fuels, oil and natural gas. Approximately 9% of the country's generated domestic power comes from hydropower, specifically from two dams, the Inga Dams. During Mobutu's presidency, from 1965 to 1997, the first large infrastructural project called Inga Barrage was built in the Congo River. It was to provide 351 megawatts of electricity as well as drinking water. Inga II was completed in 1982, becoming one of the biggest water power dams in the whole of Africa providing almost five times as much electricity. All of Mobutu's prestige projects had something in common. They were built by foreign companies, incorporated the latest technological features, and were delivered as turnkey solutions. And they never worked properly. And the high-tech would be in the hands of local people who were not trained and who didn't know how to deal with it. Moreover, turbines were built to deliver energy to national projects, with no thought being given to branching the energy out to communities along the way. There is a lot of interest and goodwill from the international community to solve the problem of energy access and poverty. But what if these solutions started locally, with people who understand the circumstances and the complications? 
So they, they obviously understand the kind of daily conditions of life in Congo and are motivated to do something in their eyes. That means helping to give people the opportunity to buy um, clean energy solutions such as solar lamps, solar systems uh, in particular. Uh, and we're also looking at how digital technology can contribute to that as well. So they're, they're trying to find affordable ways, ways that in a way onboard people into this system. Because so many solutions in other parts of Africa, they're at a level above Congo. Congo is this kind of step, it's, it's not in the same economic circumstance, for example, as its neighbours. So you, you have to, in a way, kind of rebase your thinking in order to engage or to help people engage with with for example, buying a lamp. If, you, if a solar lamp costs $30, then that's impossible for most people in Congo. It, they just yeah. simply can't. Even if it's $10, they can't. So you need to find a way to help them start paying for that lamp at less than a dollar and continue paying to the end and make sure that you're, in a way, understanding of their circumstances so that they can actually finish that payment and own that lamp. And, and Washakala and Iyangwe... Yeah really really understand that and because they understand Congolese Congolese circumstances and how to address them they've been able to grow a business from scratch to the point where this year um, it were or its budget for this year is 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 over eight million dollars which in the Congolese terms is is fantastic when we started as I said it was we decided to conduct a, a pilot involving the distribution of a few thousand solar lamps and uh, the idea when we started was to sell this uh, to use a, a cash sales model um, but again when we started uh, we realized that it was difficult to sell uh, this uh, to sell this product upfront because we were dealing with some of the poorest households in the world Alain Ndagano, customer service manager at Altec. Though we have agents on ground who can go to to follow on the customers who are late or who are about to get late. Where they are living. Where they are living. But also we have here it's here at our office we have our agents who calls again and again and again to remind yeah, to remind them about it. And also as I said, we also receive calls. Whenever a customer, for example, can say Yesterday my agent didn't come and I slept in completely darkness. Please tell him to come so they will receive the call. And also if the customer has a problem with their system, solar home system, they call, we receive the call and then we, we give it to our, our technicians, the logistic department, so that they can follow up and make sure the customer is well served. So yeah, a few weeks in, we decided to change our model. Instead of continuing to sell uh, upfront to households, we decided to to adopt a credit model where we you know we started to sell this product, uh, solar lamps on on credit. Uh, but again, uh, as uh, we we decided to focus on teachers and health workers, and uh, yeah. Um, so what we were doing now. Uh, was to uh, you know to sell on credit those products to sell to, to teachers and workers and when and what we realized was that the payment the repayment rate was almost 99 percent uh, so we we, we, we we were very optimistic that it is a model that would work across the years and that's why we decided to start scaling it Derek Rugenge, developer at Altec 
Yeah, the processes are simple. At the beginning, we started with a team of agents who are going to the field, meet the clients, talk to them about the app, and then the next process is help them create an account. Just go to the app, www.sombabian.com, you create an account, then you place an order for the product you want. For now, we add only one product available, the cook stove, you place an order. Then we have a... We have an orange money and we have an Airtel money and the Vodacom account, M-Pesa account. So after ordering, you you pay. You choose to pay by the carrier you want. One of the two operators, you pay. Then after you've paid, we see that the order has been has come, and you can receive the payment through uh, an SMS. We see someone has paid, and then uh, in every city where we are, we have pickup points. Where you, let's say in Birere, we have a pickup point. If you purchase a product, you order, you pick your product from there. We make it easy for everyone around the city to pick a product from a nearby places. The intrinsic motivation of these entrepreneurs is rooted in the problems they see around them every day. They know their environment and their customers, which is necessary to build solutions that are rooted in community needs. But they also know they need to be agile and check their assumptions. You know, we, 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 when we started, we, we had to realize that, you know, selling up front would not work. So we really had to change the, the model as quickly as possible. And that, is, that was very important. It was one of the biggest lessons that sometimes it's, 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 it's important in any type of business to learn quickly because when you start a business, you always come up with several assumptions. And sometimes when you test those assumptions, you find that they will not work. And some people, they, they keep on working on the same assumption instead of like, you know, you know, realizing maybe these these are not the best assumptions, and you should maybe it's it's important to like adopt new assumptions. In the next episode, we will hear more from Deuce and Washikala about how they have approached their challenges, as well as from Shan Sruezi, who runs a coffee cooperative on the island of Ijui. This podcast series is a collaboration between Tessa Werning and global design agency Impossible. Interviews with the entrepreneurs were organized, conducted, and translated by Armand Chacot. Production, scripting, and narration by Tessa Werning. Sound design and editing by James Powell. All music used in this podcast is listed and credited on whatifwegetitright.com. Design and artwork by Bea Peach and Impossible. Special thanks to La Difference for all their help and support in putting this podcast together. If you like this podcast series and are interested in learning more about how today's most urgent issues intersect with climate change, then check out Lily Cole's podcast, Who Cares Wins. From technology to food, gender to capitalism, each episode discusses a theme posed as a question. She interviews leading experts, activists, and business people so that we can hear the different points of view that exist and better understand the nuances around some of the world's most pressing issues. You can find the Who Cares Wins podcast on any podcasting service or visit lilycole.com slash whocareswins.